Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Berlin. And I'm Dr. Alyssa Watson. Thanks for joining us in the veterinary break room. These are short conversations where we're going to chat informally about relevant topics in vet med and sometimes in our own lives as well. Um, and today we're going to be talking about um, an article that we saw on the VIN News Service about whether the pandemic pet boom has been exaggerated and isn't really the cause of all of the incredibly busy lives that we're all experiencing right now in the clinic. So, you know, I, I know that we both um, had some strong reactions when we read this article. And so we're going to be talking about that. But, you know, in a nutshell, basically, um, this article was, it was by uh, Matt Saloy, who is the AVMA's chief economist. He's a really smart guy. Um, very, I admire him a lot. Um, but he was talking about how it actually wasn't the influx of new puppy adoptions and people going to the SPCA and adopting dogs that is actually causing the overload that we're all feeling right now. It's talking more about um, changes in protocols due to COVID, backlog from last year when we were all shut down almost, and high staff turnover that are creating the pinch right now. So, you know, I think we should jump right in. Alyssa, what did you think about this article? So I had mixed feelings about it, honestly. There were some things that I felt were were spot on. You know, I do think that there is high turnover. I mean, I experienced high turnover and have even pre-pandemic, but I think it's definitely worse, you know, after the pandemic yeah. with uh, support staff and also veterinarians. We've had a lot of veterinarians um, and I know of a lot of veterinarians in my local community that have moved jobs, you know, over the last year and and even a couple times. And personally myself, I cut back significantly on being in the clinic and have moved over, you know, more to the in-home euthanasia and hospice care. So even in my own life, I've I've changed um, because things were just not working in, you know, being a, a at trying to be at the clinic, you know, scheduled for a 10 hour shift, but really being there 12 or 13 hours and still having notes to do when I came home. Um, yeah. It was a lot, you know, but I also was a little bit hesitant, you know, about the premise with the, there were some statistics that the economists came uh, mostly from shelters that adoptions were down um, last mm -hmm. year. And, and I'm a data person. So if adoptions were down, I'm sure adoptions were down. I'm just not sure that adoptions being down really translates to less new pets because there's a lot mm -hmm. of other ways to acquire pets than adopting. I don't know. What do you, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think it's so hard to gauge a number like that because, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania, right? We have, you know, an hour away from me is Lancaster and there's barns on every corner that have puppies for sale. Like, how are you going to measure that? And I, I know I, I'm very part-time right now and I've seen a lot of puppies, <laughs> like new puppies um, this past year. So I do feel like it seems like the proportion of new pets is greater than it used to be. And I realize that's anecdotal, but I do feel like that. I know? feel like that too. I, you know, and, yeah. and I think that we all just have to acknowledge that, you know, your reality, even if the data doesn't, you know, support that a lot of vets are feeling that way. And I, and I think that we need to acknowledge that. I think we need to say, you know, you're validated, 
I, I, I see you. I hear you. There's, yep. there seems to be puppies and kittens everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And certainly it seems that way now about a year, a year and a half in, you know, where we're seeing puppies that never got to go anywhere when they were growing up. And it's just, you know, now they're trying to figure out how to be dogs and it's, it's tough, man. Mm-hmm. But this also sparked a, pretty visceral reaction, I'm sure, in me and a lot of people reading about the high turn staff turnover, because that definitely is our reality. You know, I love the practice where I work and we have the best team. Like our team is the best. I just love them so much. But this has been a really tough year. And I know we have lost more people than I would like to sort of count. I haven't counted how many people we've left or have left. But I think, you know, that's part of vet med in general. And it seems like it's just gotten magnified this past year. And so I don't know that high staff turnover is as much responsible for how busy we feel and how tight things are, just given that our profession tends to have a pretty high turnover rate in general. I don't know. What do you think about that? It's it's hard to say. Like I said, I feel like there's been even a little bit more turnover recently. I just feel like people in in my little microcosm, you know, in Las Vegas are are moving more, not so much leaving the profession, but just like moving more, (laughs) Um, you know, going down the street, you know, getting, maybe they just needed a change because that is one thing when you are burning out, sometimes just a change of scenery can, can help. So I, I don't know. I do wonder too, in addition to new patients, were you seeing a lot of older patients or, or uh, established patients, I guess is what I meant to say, established patients that were coming in more frequently or established patients that maybe hadn't been in for years and then suddenly they were coming in because, you know, maybe because their owners were home with them or noticed something or they're like, oh my gosh, you know, my dog hasn't been to the vet for five years. Maybe I'll do that now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yes and no. I mean, partly because you know, we actually had to close to new clients pretty early last year. And so we had a small window this year where we were open to new clients again. And then we had to close that window because we were just having enough trouble taking care of our existing clients. And so an established client meant somebody who had been in in the past, you know, 18 months or something like that. And so if we if somebody had really lapsed and hadn't been in for a long time, like one of the old cat situations where it's like, oh gosh, the cat's skinny now, but we haven't seen them since they were spayed eight years ago or whatever, we aren't able to prioritize those pets right now just because we're so busy. And so I think if we had been open to everyone who called, we would have seen more of those. But as far as the patients who would have come in anyway, and then, you know, maybe the owners are like staring at them more at home and they're like, he's blinking funny with his left eye. Like I've got to take him to the vet. I, I do think there's been a little bit more of that, but maybe I don't feel like that's been a huge chunk of our appointments. Yeah. I, I think it was for us at the very beginning of the pandemic, mm, yeah. you know, much yeah. less so We're now. Yeah. now. <laughs> no, much less so now. Yeah. Now we're we're starting, like you said, it's been a, about a year. So now we're starting to get all those puppies and kittens in for spays, neuters, you know, and, and that yeah. is um, starting to really create a backlog in surgeries. How, how far out are you booked for, for routine procedures? 
So I don't do surgery at the moment, so I can't say exactly, but I do know right now, like for a dental, for instance, it's probably pretty hard to get in within four weeks. We have two doctors in surgery every day, you know, one at each hospital, um, five days a week. And it is pretty tough to get in for an elective procedure within the month right now, which isn't terrible, but I wish it were a little bit different because people don't want to wait. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We've seen that too. And clients getting, you know, frustrated with not being able to schedule those procedures, you know, within yeah. what they would consider, you know, a, a reasonable time frame. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, thinking about the issues of like backlog, you know, the pets that we couldn't see when we were really cut down to skeleton staff last year. And it took months to get that backlog smoothed out, you know, the wellnesses that we just couldn't do because we're trying to conserve PPE and we weren't running as many rooms. And along with clients, maybe, you know, now having a little bit higher anxiety and higher stress about you know, just everything in general, like we're all just on edge about things in general and combined with the staff turnover that we know we're having. I mean, we have client care specialists who we hired during the pandemic and I didn't even know what they look like. You know, I like, I couldn't have picked them out of a lineup because we all have masks on for the first Mm -hmm. eight months we knew each other. And now we don't know, we don't have to wear masks in our clinic right now. And I'm like, who are these people? You know, like I'm used to seeing a set of eyes. And so it makes you feel less at home at work too, is just Mm -hmm. like, you know, that staff turnover, having new people come in during this time. It's very hard to bond. It's very hard to feel like you're all in there together. And that is really tough. And I would imagine that contributes to even more turnover because people don't feel as at home. So I do feel like there is a lot to be said for that, uh, you know, as part of the pinch that we're all feeling for Mm -hmm. sure. Even if, even if the numbers aren't dramatically higher now, it it feels harder now. So in the article, um, there were some suggestions for how to sort of remedy these things, because Mm -hmm. I think instinctively we say we're short-staffed we need to hire we need to train more people we need to get more people interested in the field and train them we all know that is not like that's not going to fix tomorrow no absolutely that's years (laughs) you know down the pipeline (laughs) yeah and then we're training them to come into a situation Mm -hmm. where we have high turnover and everybody's stressed Mm -hmm. and burned out Mm -hmm. so what do you think about um what do you think about some of the suggestions that were outlined in the article for remedying this situation (sighs) Well, I mean, so I felt that they were a little broad. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they were saying things like uh, reminders, you know, retooling appointment reminders, using more technology. Um, and so that's that's very broad. And that looks different, I think, across the country, too. I mean, that looks yeah. different in a really, you know, metropolitan area versus, you know, a rural. So I went to, you know, Iowa State University, and I'm from Iowa originally. And there's just those types of broad statements, I feel can be are, are difficult to implement across the wide range of ways that people practice. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I totally I, see that. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think I, I like the idea of using more technology streamlining. I, you know, I am always a proponent, always, always of using your licensed technicians to their full capacity because For they sure. are 
wonderful assets to the practice, to your team. They can do so much so that we can focus on more doctor things. Yeah, I totally agree. That's one of my favorite things about where I work is like, I'm so spoiled now. Our technicians are just, this is a shout out to the technicians at Shiloh Veterinary Hospital because um, they save my butt like every day and they are so good at what they do. Like, why mm-hmm. would I do that catheter placement when they're going to do it better and faster? Anyway, oh yeah, you know? absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it should be a practice. You should have a practice where no technician ever leaves because they don't get to use their skills enough. Like that's just not necessary. Exactly. Um, but I do agree with you. Like, everybody's practice is different. Everybody's systems are different and expecting that to change overnight and to just say, you know, work on your workplace culture. So staff feel engaged. That was a suggestion. It's a great suggestion. I am a huge culture junkie. Like I love reading about it, workplace culture and talking about it, but everybody is not necessarily in the mindset right now where that's going to work and places that historically have worked very hard on culture, like our practice, that's had to take a little bit of a backseat this past year while everybody was just trying to get by. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that is a little bit of a broad brush to, (laughs) to paint over this problem. Um, And I, I realize there's no simple solution to this, to this issue, but you know, maybe steering people towards thinking more about working on the culture they already have and empowering the staff they already have rather than stressing out too much about finding bodies to fill the clinic is a is a good piece of advice. And then the question becomes, you know, making sure everybody has resources to do that with. Mm-hmm. Yep. And looking at what technology you have available in your practice and are you comfortable, you know, with that? Are you comfortable with letting clients uh, book appointments online? Um, you know, that's a big one that I think yeah. potentially could save uh, you a lot of time. I can see being able, if you had a good program and technology to to integrate, uh, people have their phones all the time. They want to book an appointment. I know me, I go through my crazy day, the kids at school, you know, me at work, come home, dinner, get everybody in bed. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And suddenly I'm like, you know, I'd love to make appointment for, you know, my dentist. That'd be great if yeah. I could do that right now on my phone at 1030 yeah. at night, because this yeah. is when I remember I need to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel like I remember somebody saying, you know, um, somebody who's talking about like technology and vet med, she was mm-hmm. like, you know, I made a hair appointment at a new salon, like, and chatted with someone like last night after dinner, you know, mm-hmm. and I never actually had to pick up the phone and call anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's how it should be for us too. And right. obviously hair appointment isn't quite the same thing as like my pet is vomiting, but at least you can start the ball rolling online. And, and especially with, with more wellness care, you know, yes. things like that, you know, and if you can limit it, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a way to look at this technology. If you could, if you can limit it to things like wellness care or appointments for those licensed technicians that, you know, don't necessarily need to see a doctor, depending again on, on your, your practice, where you're practicing and, and what your board allows, um, you know, but if they're doing things like allergy injections or, or, you know, repeated things coming in. So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think basically, uh, like you said, we're all different. The way we practice is all different. And so technology, leveraging technology is going to look different for everyone, but there are a lot of options now and you don't necessarily have to like 
get a new practice management software system or buy into a large platform in order to make little changes to how you're doing things. And I think if there's anything we've learned about the past year and a half, it's that veterinarians and vet teams are a lot more flexible and adaptable than we maybe were given credit for before. Absolutely. (laughs) I think think that's what's going to get us out of this. Yeah. Everybody (laughs) has had to adapt and they've done an incredible job. I mean, our, our teams did going from curbside and then back, you know, to letting people in and masking. And now we have a, a, new masking mandate from our governor. So we're all back to masking. <laughs> so yeah. you just keep rolling yeah. with the punches. We'll be there soon. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, roll with the punches is good. It's a good place to wrap up, I think, because that's pretty much like the name of the veterinary medicine game. <laughs> you never know what's going to walk in the door. So this is just, this is just it times, you know, a million. <laughs> So, all right. So let's do our win of the week. Um, Alyssa, what's, what's going right for you this week? Oh, you know, um, so my win of the week is actually outside of veterinary medicine. So my win of the week is our, our kids went back to school. Um, my, my two children. (laughs) So, um, but it's a big win. It's important for them. Yeah. So we were, we were distance all last year. Um, and yeah. And my youngest is, uh, six years old turning seven next month. And he was distanced for his entire first year of elementary school. So he went to elementary school. So we started, um, this week and the older ones in middle school and I got everybody to school on time for the third day in a (laughs) row now. So that's my win. This seems like a big win (laughs) from somebody without kids to me. That sounds like basically you just scaled like a large mountain. So, um, I feel like I would probably scale a large mountain more easily than I would be able to get a bunch of kids to school on time and still like remember to, you know, put on pants. So (laughs) huge win. That's awesome. Well, my win is also outside vet med. So I had back surgery in December of last year um, because I had a, I have had bulging discs for 20 years plus. And um, one of them finally decided that 2020 was the year to herniate because that's what 2020 was. And so I had, you know, a year of back pain basically. And that culminated in a true herniation and like nerve deficits in my leg. And I had to have a surgery like you know, I had an MRI on Saturday and surgery on Wednesday. And um, so it was, you know, it's been uh, what feels like a slow road back, but sometimes I get discouraged, you know, because I feel like I just want to feel strong again. And I, Facebook memories showed me a picture of a journal entry that I wrote a year ago today. And it was like talking about things that I'm grateful I can still do. But at that time, I remember writing that entry and it still hurt to like sit in a chair or Mm -hmm. get up and walk to the next room. Like I had pain doing every part of my job and just existing. And um, that really changes you. And so it's been a year since I wrote that journal entry and I am completely pain-free now other than being 43. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, it's a totally different world now. And so I am, my win of the week is like, I, that really sets a perspective up for me to be just super grateful that things are so much better now and that I was able to come back from that feeling so much, so much stronger. So I am so glad you are feeling better. Ditto. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bad year. (laughs) Well, it could have been worse. I know, but (laughs) on to new and bigger and better things. So that's right. 
That's all right. right. Well, we hope you'll join us next time. And we hope you enjoyed our little conversation today. Talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Veterinary Break Room. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. While you're there, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. You can also listen to podcasts on our website at cliniciansbrief.com slash podcasts, or drop us a line at podcasts at briefmedia.com. Veterinary Breakroom is a Brief Media production produced by Alexis Usri with sound by Randall Stupka and co-hosted by Dr. Alyssa Watson and Dr. Katie Berlin.